The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun conversation about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. With questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host. Hi there, Catsuit. Hi there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Presented by Dating Kinky. I'm John, known sometimes as Hi There Catsuit, and today I get to interview someone who has brought so many of my fantasies to life and so many fantasies to others as well. Kendra James is your friendly fetish vixen next door, creating fetish and kink for viewing pleasure from a childhood in San Francisco that included modeling to a freak show troupe and live events, including rock concerts like OzFest, to a production job at kink.com, to her current days as a fetish model and producer, whose accounts are among the top viewed in the nation. Kendra has thrilled so many with her spot on super heroine scenes from both sides of the slash, while her femdom and bondage material capture the minds of countless others. So let's put out the bat signal and talk with Kendra James on this edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. It's the first five. As always, we start with the first five. Five questions about first with Kendra James. And I always love asking this question. Uh-oh. Kendra, first time you knew you were a little bit different. A little bit different. Um, a little bit different in what way? <laughs> in any way you want to interpret it. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think I've always felt a little bit like an outsider. Um, maybe most people feel that way. I don't really know. Um, but I think I've always felt a little bit like an outsider and it became more apparent as I got a little older. Um, but then I did find, uh, I, I would say more like-minded people, uh, in my later teenage years and felt less like an outsider. Um, and then realized some of the things I, I was into were maybe not quite so normal. I don't know. Does that answer the question? <laughs> yes, very much so, because it talks about the journey that you went through. Yeah. I mean, you grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and you even describe yourself as a little hippie dippy. <laughs> well, I mean, I yeah, born and raised in Berkeley, California, so I I feel like my idea, my upbringing and my ideals are very much on the sort of liberal side of things. And growing up with parents who were educators, they were teachers, um, 
and a father who was very political uh, and a mother who was just sort of like, I love you no matter what, like do, do what makes you happy and I will love you regardless. I feel like maybe I grew up a little differently than, than other people did and sort of in this, I don't know, weird little bubble in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't know many other places having lived in a lot of other places and traveled to a lot of other places, I, I can't think of many other places that are like Berkeley and like uh, the upbringing that I probably had. <laughs> Describe shopping for your first prom dress. Ah, oh, yes. Ah, oh, yes, the prom dress. So I... Uh, in San Francisco, south of Market, and I haven't lived there in 15 years, so it has probably changed drastically. But um, in the late 90s and early 2000s, there were tons of like fetish stores in San Francisco. And I don't even know how I came across them. Maybe a friend introduced me to them. I don't know. But I wandered into one one day when I was 17 and was just blown away. I was like, ooh, this is right up my alley. This is like, we got some sort of Catwoman vibes in here. There's a little Jessica Rabbit vibes in here. Like these sort of femme fatale characters that I always seem to gravitate towards. And um, yeah, I ended up buying my prom dress, which was, a skin tight PVC uh, ankle length dress with a zipper all the way down the back. So that would be, I didn't realize what it was at the time. I didn't, I, I didn't know there was such a thing as fetish attire or fetish wear or whatever. We are pre-internet by the way, if I am going to date myself here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't realize like, this was sort of fetish attire. I was just like, it is slinky and skin tight and black. And oh, look, there's a zipper. And ooh, I love it. And let's wear this to prom. So yeah, my my first fetish piece and also my prom dress. <laughs> first time you ever related to a superhero or heroine and wanted to be one. The first time I ever related, well, I mean, so Batman came out when I was mm, 10 or 11. So Batman with Michael Keaton and uh, uh, Blonde was also in LA Confidential. Why is her name escaping me right now? Uh, uh, Kim Basinger. Thank you. Exactly. So that came out when I was like 10 or 11 and I was super super into it and then of course the second Batman movie with Michael Keaton came out and Catwoman can we say can I, I mean do I need to say anything else <laughs> Catwoman like the epitome of sexy slinky powerful uh, I just I mean, I fell in love with Michelle Pfeiffer and with the character, and I was all about it. Um, I just, the, the aesthetic, of course, the aesthetic was so appealing. 
and then this sort of attitude of I don't not I don't want to say not giving a fuck but sort of this powerful seductive woman um was very appealing so that may have that may have ignited something um and I always sort of gravitated towards those types of characters since and, and sought out those types of characters. And of course, also I have to throw in Who Framed Roger Rabbit because I was obsessed with Jessica Rabbit. That movie also came out when I was like 10 years old. And for Halloween, when I was either 10 or 11, I was Jessica Rabbit. And I wanted to be like, that was my ideal, like, the curvy big boobs like very in control but making men think she was sort of helpless in a particular way but still maintaining that control I mean I I think those two characters Jessica Rabbit and then Michelle Pfeiffer's version of Catwoman those two are what really stick out in my mind when I'm going back and thinking about sort of pop culture, movies, superheroes, that kind of thing. Like those two characters do it I'm for not me. Bad. I'm just drawn that way. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> it's like movies I've seen like 20 plus times, right? <laughs> First time you were ever tied up and the emotions that you had in that time. Mm, first time I was ever tied up um I was either 16 or 17 and I was dating these two guys um dating these two guys and doing a threesome and they kind of decide like they kind of threw it at me um and I found myself like tied up between the two of them and I, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty relaxed person and pr like a very go with the flow type of person. So I just kind of went with it. I was like, okay, let's, let's see what happens here. Let's see where this goes. I knew both of them well and trusted them. So that probably made a big difference. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was sort of a, a, a like an exploratory type of thing I guess it was a very sort of interesting let's see what happens I'm into it uh yeah I I would call it an exploratory bondage experience mm. if that makes any sense fascinating yeah this has become our traditional fifth first five question First time you ever received an unsolicited dick pic in your reaction to it? I I honestly don't remember the first time. I, hmm, they all blend together. <laughs> <laughs> all these dick pics just blend together. Um, I'm not sure. I've always had sort of a dismissive reaction to them I think like mm -hmm. oh look at that hmm mm -hmm. and why do I want to see this exactly um yeah I, I I personally think it's rude unless I ask you for one I think it's it's rude to be sending dick pics so yeah I have sort of a disgusted dismissive attitude towards it but I, I can't remember the first time 
Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Allison Ash, trauma-informed sex and intimacy coach and educator and the founder of TurnOn.Love. And I teach a wide range of workshops and courses on topics including flirting and seduction, deepening emotional intimacy, expanding pleasure, exploring fantasies, repairing ruptures in relationships, navigating non-monogamy, and more. And I work with individuals and couples in a coaching dynamic to support them in getting out of their heads and into their bodies and navigating challenges like erectile dysfunction and anorgasmia to help men figure out how to express their desires in ways that feel authentic and not let opportunities pass by any longer, to help women explore what they want and really advocate for it in their relationships, and to support couples in getting the spark back and in exploring non-monogamy if you want to open up your relationship. To explore all this and more, you can check out my website at www.turnon.love. And don't forget to listen to my episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. It's in the archives wherever you listen to your podcast. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. I feel nervous talking to you. Oh, good. And that brings joy to you. Oh, it does. It pleases me immensely. The Baroness, April 20th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. I can imagine that your inbox, whether it be DMs on Instagram or Twitter or your email inbox, I can imagine how out of control it is. Can you describe what your inboxes are like? Chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Chaos. Um, I have three emails that I check regularly and I try and categorize them. because otherwise I just, I can't keep up. Um, I have a custom video inbox or email. I have a mistress Kendra email and I have sort of a general sort of like booking email for people who want to hire me for shoots, whatever. So I really, I, I check them constantly, but I try and really compartmentalize things because otherwise it gets a little too chaotic and overwhelming. Instagram, I don't even bother because it, I mean, that's just insanity right there. Mm -hmm. If somebody sends me another hi message, I'll probably stab them in the eye with a fork. I, I just, it drives me nuts. Like the hi, hey, 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 mistress. Hey, oh, you're hot. I'm like, okay, do you have something substantial to say? 
Do you have a question? Do you want something? Like the high just drives me nuts. So I, I don't even look at Instagram. <laughs> like, nope, doesn't happen. And my Twitter DMs are locked. So only people I only people I know can get in touch with me there. <laughs> have you ever been surprised from a message from a guy or a woman for that case in getting your attention where you looked at the message and you went, wow, they put some thought into this. I People will write me novels. I'd swear, like pages and pages. It's kind of crazy. Um, I have people send me like elaborate fantasies. I have people tell me about, you know, their first time experiencing kink or fetish or bondage or whatever. And, you know, how I helped mold their interests or shape that like people will send me very elaborate messages. And sometimes it, it yeah, it shocks me how much they have to say and how much thought and time they've put into these messages, just very descriptive, very descriptive things, or people will send me scripts. Mm. And holy cow, like, I have received like 10, 12, 15 page scripts wow. from people. And that takes some dedication, man. That's, that, that, that is dedicated writing right there. And I try, I do try and read everything. When I see stuff like that, I do really try and read through it and get through it. Um, it, it can be kind of hard sometimes, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm always, I'm always, when those come in, I'm always like, wow, they, they put in some time here. Good for them. I feel like I have to read it because they put in so much time, hmm. you know, like if you're going to vote, devote this much time to writing me an email or writing a script, like. It would almost be disrespectful of me not to read it. <laughs> like it's dedication. That's really sweet because I know of some people who would go, I just don't have time for this. Or I, yeah. tribute first and then I'll look at it. <laughs> I sometimes I'll open it, I'll see a wall of text and say, Oh no, I can't deal with that right mm -hmm. now. But I always remember and go back to it. Like it may not get read when I very first open it, depending on what's going on, what else I have to deal with or, uh, or respond to, but I will always go back and get through it. Is there a type of message that catches your attention immediately? A type of message that catches my attention? No, not necessarily. Ah, hmm. Not necessarily. I like to look at scripts. I have mm. like between people sending in custom video requests and then people just sort of sending script ideas. I like to go through those because I do have some very, very creative fans mm -hmm. and I have actually shot custom videos that were later nominated for awards. So I, I, Feel like there's so many creative wonderful people out there and people with ideas that I don't necessarily have or wouldn't have thought of to do in a certain way so scripts I always pay attention to because I really I enjoy reading what 
people are sending, but also I enjoy uh, other people's creative ideas that I, I wouldn't have ever thought of myself. So yeah, scripts, scripts tend to catch my attention, I would say. Being Kendra James, mostly all of the time, must take a certain bit of not only strength, sometimes courage, a lot of endurance. When you're not the character Kendra James, what's a typical day like for you? Are you able to relax or do you have to be Kendra James 24-7? Um, I... You, I mean, I have to relax. You, I, you can't, you can't be on all the time, and I don't want to be on all the time. Um, I, it is a twenty-four-seven job, but there's always time to separate and relax and try and do something for yourself. And living where I do, um, my house is on the water, and I. I have paddle boards. I just bought a boat and I, I do really enjoy detaching and just cruising around the, the canals and the intercoastal going out to the ocean. Um, even if I check my messages on the boat, it's like, okay, well, at least I can put it away and relax a little bit as well. Um, I, it's very important. You can't, that's how burnout happens. If you just, if you don't allow yourself off time, mm -hmm. you'll be exhausted constantly and resentful. And I, I mean, I've gone through that plenty. I have, you know, I've been doing this over two decades at wow. this point, um, which is, yeah, why I know that I need to detach and not be, not be Kendra mm -hmm. constantly because yeah, family time, time with friends. I mean, it's really important for your own sanity. That's for sure. Do you have a hobby that would surprise people? I don't know. Um, may, I mean, boating maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a pale ass white girl. Like when do you ever see me with a tan? <laughs> Never. And yet I live at the beach and I go out, I like, I go out on the water. So maybe people are surprised about that. I don't know. Maybe people are surprised. I really love to go snorkeling and scuba diving and, you know, kayak or not kayaking, paddle boarding. Um, I don't know if that would surprise people or not. Um, I also picked up making soap during quarantine. I started like. That seems to be a thing with a lot of fetish models these days and even pro wrestlers. I had April Hunter on the other day, uh, who's a professional wrestler and also does some modeling. She's doing soaps. Hollywood, the former glow wrestlers doing soaps. Everybody's doing soaps. It's, I, it's fun. You get to make up like your own colors, your own fragrances. You can mix stuff together. And it goes with the theme of quarantine, right? Like masks and soap. There you go. You wash your hands, you cover your face. <laughs> like it's yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh and then I I found myself with like bars and bars and bars and bars of soap and I had to like cool it for a while until I gave them all away. Cause I was like, what am I going to do with all these 
bars of soap. So I was like sending them to friends. I was giving them away. Yeah, I, I had to take it easy on the soap for a minute. But yeah, I, I like many other people apparently picked up that little hobby. <laughs> we were talking about hobbies. And there is one hobby that I'd love to hear more about from back when you were learning how to swallow swords, dance on broken glass, and do tricks with a bullwhip. So with this Ozzy. Yeah. So this was not a hobby. This was a career choice. Interesting. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, so my partner does a freak show and he was, he was touring, he was doing shows when we met and I sort of just, I got incorporated into the show and it was like, okay, well, what can I do? What tricks can I learn? What, how can I, how can I be in the show? So I learned sword swallowing and except I didn't do swords because I was too broke to afford <laughs> swords. So I did um, screwdrivers and crowbars. Ugh. So like super long, super long screwdrivers, flathead screwdrivers. Um, but yeah, I learned that with a chopstick, I'd sit on the couch watching TV I'd stick the chopstick down my throat until I gagged and then I'd pull it out and then I'd go, I'd, it was all about killing your gag reflex. Right. Mm -hmm. So I finally, uh, learned how to swallow a chopstick and then I moved up to drumsticks. Um, I was swallowing drumsticks and I remember the first time I like really, I really did it, did it in front of other people where I was backstage at a Slipknot show. I was friends with the Slipknot guys. Um, I was backstage at a show and I was like, Joey, Joey, give me a drumstick. Give me a new drumstick. I want to show, I want to show you guys like this new thing I finally learned. I'm like, okay, cool. Went and grabbed a drumstick for me. And uh, yeah, I had all the guys and whoever, whoever the fuck was backstage at the time, like, gathered around. I was like, okay. And I'm super, super nervous because I hadn't done this in front of anybody yet. Um, but yeah, I put my head back, stuck the drumstick down my throat. And because I was so nervous, my throat kind of closed up. And I was like, nope, got to do this. I got a room full of people watching me, like <laughs> kind of forced it probably a little too much and heard an audible pop and I still to this day don't know what it was. It was a valve opening or something. But yeah, I got the drumstick down and like kind of did a little bow around the room with the drumstick sticking out of my throat and came back up, like pulled the drumstick out. And everybody was like wide eyes just staring at me. And I still I don't know if it was the sound that my throat made or the fact that they hadn't seen anybody swallow anything like that before. But like, <laughs> I was like, yay, I, I did it. <laughs> and I did it in front of people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so learned how to swallow swords, um, learned how to do target bull whips, which is a <laughs> skill that has come in handy yes. ever since, because now I do it you know, now I whip guys on video. So 
Um, but yeah, I would do target bullwhips. So I put a cigarette in someone's mouth and then snap it in half with my bullwhip. Um, we used to do a trick where we'd put like flowers uh, in someone's fly and I'd like slice the, the flower down as close as I could get to the zipper mm-hmm. with my bullwhips. Um, and then, yeah, I, and then I would, yeah, dance on broken glass. So, wow. yeah, and um, yeah, I did, did like three years of touring, toured with different bands, did OzFest for like three years, um, did different tours with Ozzy, Slipknot, Pantera, all those guys. So, yeah, good times, good times. <laughs> A different I, career entirely. <laughs> I am in awe, as I have been for quite a while with you. So, yeah. very, very nice. Thank you. One thing that I know about you from your biography and also from the videos that you put out, you are all about empowering women. And to me, that is a phenomenal thing within the industry because many times women are think, thought of as just objects but you show how women can be in power also with you being a pro dom that will come into effect there as well. But when was it and why was it you made the decision that you're only going to do videos with women? Um, so, I mean, I shoot videos with men, but of course it's in a very particular dynamic. Mm -hmm. I don't do traditional boy girl. There's no penis and vagina in my world. Um, and I, it just was not for me. Um, I, when I was about, I guess I was 19, 18 or 19. Uh, I was broke. I needed money, starving student. Um, and I answered an ad in the back of the local paper and it was, you know, boy, girl video, whatever, answered an ad, met this guy at a cafe in San Francisco, talked about it and was hired for a scene. Um, This production was shooting two days in Santa Cruz at a beach house. And um, I was like, okay, well, let's try it. It pays this much money. Awesome. Whatever. And although the experience was not bad by any, by any means, um, I just... I, I just didn't feel like it was for me. I felt very awkward uh, performing with men on camera. It just, it, it felt wrong for whatever reason for me. Um, and I just sort of discovered that I'm more comfortable with women on film. If I'm going to be in that type of sexual situation, it just, it just felt more comfortable. Um, no, no specific reason, just that's the way it felt to me. Um, with men, I'd rather be in control. I'd rather be the one tying them up and, you know, doing mean things. (laughs) And although I still shoot bondage myself, it tends to be, if, if I'm shooting with men, it tends to be people that I know, um, that I've worked with on a regular basis or have known socially and I'm comfortable with. 
-hmm. Like I still get tied up by Jim Weathers. I've known him 15 years. We're friends. I'm comfortable with him. Um, Shiny Bound, I've known him for a few years now. I know, I, I know him socially. We've hung out. So yeah, it's sort of a comfort level thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I in very sexual situations, I just tend to be more comfortable with women. That's just sort of the way it is. Um, and as far as empowering women, I, I've never had an agent. Uh, I've navigated the adult industry for many, many years uh, without an agent. And I've seen, I've hired people, I've hired performers for my own productions. Of course, I've worked with a million performers over the years doing various things. And I've seen women, I've seen other performers get just walked all over and taken advantage of. And I, and I have been taken advantage of uh, in certain ways myself. And whether it's people pushing limits or uh, being taken advantage of financially or, you know, being on set for 15 hours and only paid for a certain amount of time or whatever, I've been taken advantage of. So I, I hate to see other people getting taken advantage of and particularly women, because especially with new performers, they feel powerless uh, to speak up or they feel like if they speak up, they won't work. So I really try and make it clear to people that they have options. They are not at the mercy of somebody else, that they are in control uh, because they, they are. You know, you can't, you can't do this job without performers. And yes, there's a huge influx of performers um, there will always be new performers coming in to this industry, but you know, you you have to understand that you're still they're vital to uh, to the production that's happening, and you know they're an, a hugely important part of it, and they need to know that know that they're in control of the situation. So, anyhow. I sort of diverted from the original question, I think. <laughs> but long before you donned your first cat suit in front of the camera, you were doing a lot of behind the scenes things to the point where you knew the business really well before being one of the stars of the business. Mm, yes and no. So I was a model from the time I was 13. I did okay. fashion and commercial work. Uh, from the time I was 13, um, acting classes from the time I was 12 or 13. I've always been in front of the camera in some way, shape, or form. Um, and then entering adult, I entered as a pro-dom, not as a model, not as a performer, but as a, a pro-dominatrix. I worked as a at a dungeon in the San Francisco Bay Area from, oh God, 1998. Um, and from there, I like shot for a few photographers and did a handful of modeling stuff, um, and then got hired by a company that was shooting at the time, Dirty Kitty Productions, or I'm sorry, no, Sick Puppy, haha, -ha, totally different thing, sickpuppy.com. <laughs> Uh, which is now long gone and defunct, but they hired me as a PA and I worked for them for like three years as a PA 
also as a performer, but mostly as a PA and, you know, just generally as an assistant. And then they kind of went under, they sold their business. Um, and I started working for Kink back when it was Cybernet. Mm. Um, I got hired for Kink and they taught me how to edit. I learned a lot of lighting skills. Um, yeah, I really, yeah, I learned a lot more about the business sort of behind the scenes and production side. I worked for them for two or three years. Um, but I was still, I feel like I've always been performing. I just happened to have worked for those two companies and learned a lot more on the production side of things, of course, while working for them and editing. Holy cow. Like mm -hmm. I learned so much working for kink, like so much about editing photos and video and, you know, lighting, how to hire models, even <laughs> like mm -hmm. how to hire other performers. <laughs> like I kind of learned from them. Um, but yeah, I would still get thrown in on shoots. I would still like perform for, you know, Hogtide, Wired Pussy, you know, different, different sites that they were running at that time. They'd be like, oh, we're short a model or, hey, do you want to direct? And I get thrown in I'm like, okay. And then have to edit the scene that I was just in and be like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> How much has that helped you build the brand that you have today? Um, I mean, I, I definitely have taken all of those things that I learned from those companies years ago and implemented them. Um, even though things have changed, of course, uh, I always, I, I try to keep things very professional. I try and, you know, do my best to streamline things. Uh, it's a business. And, you know, working for Sick Puppy and working for Kink really showed me what a business it was. And, you know, I think the impression a lot of fans have is like, oh, it's just fun. You go and you get tied up or you tie someone else up or, you know, you're just on camera doing this. And it's like, no, 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 no. There's so much. That's a tiny portion of it. Um, but yeah, it, I, what I learned working for kink and sick puppy were vital to my own growth and the way I run my own business. Now they, those, those things were really, really vital, uh, tools and, and learning experiences for sure. When Christina Carter was on with us, back on our second show. It seems like so long ago, but it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I told her that I have watched her videos and I can say the same thing for you with a different mindset than I think most guys have. Oh yeah. And that is, I'm imagining what it's like to be you. I'm imagining what is going through your head and you'll have to go back to the Oh, girl and Nylonica series about the different scenarios that you were put in, because that's the closest thing. And I know that Jim Weathers was a huge Batgirl fan. I mean, oh, my his, God. his early days. Ever? Oh, my gosh. The his original Batgirl series was amazing. And, you know, Oh, girl is just his ode to Batgirl. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But in 
looking at your videos and imagining what you are feeling in doing those, are are you having a lot of fun when you do those or can you get yourself into the character or what are the emotions that you're going through when you do that? Because the way you're able to portray it on the screen is a very convincing and very damsel-like powerful woman <laughs> all at the same time. <laughs> Are we are we talking superhero specific? Are we talking? I'd say superhero specific because that's a lot of the things that I've seen. But if you want to yeah. talk about uh, other ways too, that's fine. So with this, yeah, with the superhero stuff and really, yeah, cosplay superhero or even mainstream productions I've done where there's a specific character you have to portray. I always wanted to be, I, I wanted to be an actor when I was young and I went to, I have taken many acting classes, well, not in a long time, but when I was a teenager, I, I was always, you know, I was always in, in classes, always in acting schools, always in acting classes. And that's what I wanted to do. So I like to think I like to think <laughs> that I'm a halfway decent actress. And if I'm given a script and told I'm not told that I'm not playing myself in a situation that I'm I have to portray a character, I really do try. I really try and like, okay, so it's a Batgirl kind of day. Let me think about Batgirl, what her background is, what her characteristics are. You know, I try and think about that and implement like a little bit of skill into that. If I'm doing Poison Ivy for one of my own movies, like, okay, what do I think of as Poison Ivy? And, you know, I, I grew up in the 90s. And, you know, so for me, it was the animated, like the Batman animated mm -hmm. series that I really sort of gravitate towards. So I think about her character there. Um, but yeah, I try and I mean, I I try and do my best to think about the character, her characteristics, her personality, and use those. You know, yes, it's porn, but <laughs> that doesn't mm -hmm. mean that I can't try and you know portray the character well. Do you have your favorite characters? I'm guessing Poison Ivy might be one just because you mentioned her, but do you have favorite characters that you just love playing over and over? So Batwoman was my baby. Batwoman was the character that I was really into for a while. And I've been doing Batwoman for like 10 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and I started doing her because it was a character nobody else was doing. Like, mm -hmm superhero was really gaining traction but everybody was doing batgirl catwoman wonder woman poison ivy supergirl you know those characters nobody had done batwoman and i was like i got the red hair mm -hmm. i got the boobs and the little waist like let's do this and you know the more the more batwoman i shot the more other people started doing her. <laughs> and I, I'm going to take a little bit of credit for the CW series, damn it. Uh, I, I, I know these you guys should. are watching my porn. I know the producers are watching my porn. 
Um, but I, I like the character because she's kind of, kind of broken. Um, you know, she, she was written to be, I think initially she was written to be like the girlfriend of Batman, but it didn't really work out that way. And they couldn't quite get the series, a series foothold like that. Mm -hmm. And then they changed her and started writing her as a lesbian character. Um, and sort of a similar background to Batman. So her father was military. Um, she learned a lot of, you know, fighting skills uh, from her father. And then her father and sister are killed, or is it father and sister? Now I'm mixing up my characters. Anyway, she has some tragedy in her life. Um, her sister dies, family members die. She's kind of depressed about it, broken you know, a little bit of an alcoholic has sort of a, a a chip on her shoulder. So, but is still badass and wants to go and fight crime, you know, avenge her family, all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know, I gravitated toward, towards the character in part because she's a little darker mm -hmm. as opposed to Wonder Woman, who's, you know, this wholesome Amazonian um, or Batgirl who's a little bit naive you know, she's, she's a do-gooder, you know, she <laughs> believes in fighting crime and, you know, she's, she's a little younger. She's a little bit more of a do-gooder, whereas that woman is all grown up and got a chip on her shoulder. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that will always be a favorite character of mine. Poison Ivy, just because God damn it, it's Poison Ivy. And mm -hmm. she's, you know, she is who she is. She's, you know, the ecologist, you know, botanist, saving the planet, very seductive sort of demeanor. I, I don't know. I, I like the character too. Obviously I play her a lot in my own productions. So, yeah. With a scene name like Hi There Catsuit, which is my scene name, <laughs> you can imagine that I really appreciate the Batwoman costume a lot. I have gotten the greatest joy out of the entire Oh Girl and Nylonica series. It looked like you all had so much fun shooting that. Oh my God, Jim's insane. He like, holy cow, I have done things with him. I never, I never thought about even doing, we've done, he loves to build these crazy props. He loves to build like the pendulum. And if he is going to build a pendulum, God damn it. It is going to be 15 feet tall yep. and it is going to look like the most realistic pendulum possible, but in the most cartoon way. And I, I mean, the box of, what was it? Shiver sand or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, <laughs> like he loves to build these massive props. He wants, if you gave that man a budget and said, build whatever sets you want, he, he'd go crazy. He'd go crazy. He, he, you know, he would do Batman style everything mm -hmm. if he could, <laughs> <laughs> if he had the budget and the space, <laughs> he'd be building the most insane props all the time. So it's been, it's super fun to do that stuff with him and do that sort of project because that's a project you don't get to do often or with very many people, obviously. 
So those are, yeah, that's always like a fun, unique situation. I'm going to ask one fanboy question to you. And that is, did you ever read Jim's original story about the census suit before you did the scene from the old girl series in the red census suit? Did I read his original story? Um, if it was different than the script I was given, then no, I don't believe I did. I don't believe I was aware of it. Hmm. Um, I was, you know, he gives a script and that's what I see, mm-hmm. but I don't even know if I was aware that there was a story. He had written a short story about that. And it was one of the most amazing visualizations that also would get into one's head about Mm. what wearing a catsuit that does something like that to you. Yeah. Because in my fetish, which was born from my parents not giving me the talk and me discovering Batgirl and and Catwoman and Emma <laughs> Peel and going, wait a minute, what is this happening to me? That's, I don't know what that is. And then by mm-hmm. the time I knew what it was, I, it was kind of imprinted. But the description that he had of how that particular suit was supposed to make the wearer feel just absolutely took over my brain. Yeah. See, now I have to go, now I have to go find it. (laughs) And I think you will really enjoy it. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to give him a call when we're done and say, Jim, send me the story. (laughs) I think you will absolutely enjoy it so much. Yeah. Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. What is your fantasy? Do you have a secret? We all have sexual fantasies or secrets. That's what my show is all about. My name is Nikki, and I'm the host of In Bed with Nikki. In this show, it's all about sex and the fantasies that people have. Reading from my emails directly and anonymously sent to me, together we will explore the experiences of everyday people, just like yourself. Often, this is the very first time they've told anyone else about them. You can find In Bed with Nikki on Podchaser, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and anywhere else you find your other favorite podcasts. And remember, for every problem, there is a solution. And I happen to call it an orgasm. And until next time, enjoy. You are listening to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Here again, we say to our host, 
Hi there, Catsuit. Kendra, what is in the future for you? Where do you see things going from here? A question for the ages. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I would like to be producing more and behind the camera more. And that's sort of the direction I'm trying to go in. I will be directing a bit for another company. Um, so that's coming up. I'm excited to do that and direct for, yeah, another, another company, a more mainstream company. Um, and then the ideal is to, yeah, eventually not necessarily be in front of the camera all the time and to just hire people for my own projects and uh yeah keep my stores going but with different faces mm. but uh yeah we'll see i i don't i don't know in in the time of covid things are uncertain <laughs> very true and for the woman outside of the character of Kendra James, what does that person want? Um, I'm, I'm just content to sort of live my life and, you know, have time with family and friends and yeah, enjoy my time at home, you know, in my house on the water, um, I, I like being able to do what I want, I think, as most people enjoy doing what they want when they want. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm content to sort of be with my partner and, and, you know, cruise around the canals of South Florida, <laughs> enjoying the water and where I live. Watching Kendra take her boat into the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds pretty nice. Right. Kendra, it has been a joy having you on the show. Please Thank feel free you. to plug anything you would like to at this time, and we will put all of Kendra's links in our show notes. But please feel free to talk about whatever makes you happy. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Where to start? Oh, God. There's so many. Um, well, you can always follow me on Twitter at Kendra James 13 to see all of my latest updates, links, whatever. If you are uncertain of all of the links I'm about to spit out here, Twitter at Kendra James 13 is a good spot to find everything in one spot. Um, my only fans, I want Kendra.com. Come join me. I update daily. I talk to people. If you've been emailing me like regular email and I have not responded, go to I want Kendra and you're sure to get a response to your direct message. Um, my superhero store, KendraClips.com, which is on clips or sale. Um, yeah, superhero, fembot, fantasy, cosplay, all that good stuff is on kendraclips.com. Sexyfetishvideos.com is for all my miscellaneous fetish stuff. You want to see me in bondage? That's the place to see it. Um, my weird futa stuff that I shoot, that's where you go. Um, frozen stuff, sleepy stuff, 
yeah, sexyfetishvideos.com for my femdom stuff. You can go to iwantpov.com, which is, uh, what, what site is that? That's I want clips. So yeah, I want POV for femdom there. Fetish goddess Kendra for femdom on clips or sale. And then of course, kendrajames.com, good old website for those of you who want to make a commitment and join on a monthly basis for updates, kendrajames.com. Uh, what's my Instagram? God knows I've had like five. Um, Instagram is survey says. I should know uh, this. I know. Well, I've gone through like five Instagrams. Like they keep deleting me. So I keep forgetting what it is because like. I know that I know that one is Kendra James OG. That's it. So it's Kendra James underscore OG. So that's my Instagram. Um, I think that sums it up. Yeah. Twitter, Instagram, clips are sale. I want clips. I have a many vid store, but I, it doesn't get updated very much if I'm honest about it. Um, only fans and clips are sale are my two primary. So yeah. I want Kendra.com for OnlyFans and then KendraClips.com for Clips or Sale. If you don't remember any of that, just remember my Twitter and you can find it all there. Fantastic. So, yeah. Kendra, this has been an absolute joy. I have had a ball interviewing you and it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. I have so loved Kendra's work for so many years, especially her work with Jim Weathers of Bondage Cafe. Her scenes co-starring Christina Carter as O-Girl are always amongst the foundation for my fantasy. What a thrill getting to know the woman in the suit and out. Next week, we start an unprecedented month of amazing April with two shows a week all month long. And we do so with the Los Angeles dominatrix, Mistress Justine Cross, who allows us into her world of femdom. That'll do it for this week's show. I'm John, known to some as Hi There Catsuit, reminding you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you on social media. Check us out at WhatWomenWantP1 on Twitter, what Women Want podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.